Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, July 31st, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I am here with Brooke and Amber, and we are going to talk tonight about historical mysteries. So this is kind of a weird trend that I didn't really plan. Um, so if you don't like historical things, you're going to be kind of bummed out, I think, because um, <clears throat> before this episode airs, um, historical romances air, and then historical mysteries. So just be prepared. Anyway. These are historical mysteries. Um, some of them are quite historical, like hundreds of years ago. And the one that I have that is kind of the latest in time, it takes place in Baltimore in the 1960s. So I think we span quite a bit of time tonight. So before we get started, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can interact with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can also just write to us via Facebook um, Messenger or otherwise. You can send us direct messages on Twitter as well, or you can just send us an email. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com, and we would love to hear from you. All right. So I am going to start us off this evening, and then Amber will follow that, and then Brooke will end the round. So... My first pick tonight is the latest novel by author Laura Lipman, and this is The Lady in the Lake. It takes place, this is the book that I referenced earlier, um, that takes place in Baltimore in the 1960s. And I wasn't really sure how I would like this book. She wrote kind of a a similar like historical themed book last year called Sunburn that I really didn't like. It was very, I don't know, kind of like that like noir kind of way of writing. Um, it was it reminded me a lot of like Alfred Hitchcock, which I'm not always a fan of. Um, so I didn't, I didn't care for that as much, but I did really love the lady in the lake. Now I can't tell you a lot about it because that would be bad would spoil all kinds of things for you. But what I will tell you is that it's the story of a woman who is a housewife when we first meet her. And she is really kind of discontented with her life. Um, her marriage is, is decent. She has a teenage son. She has kind of planning dinner parties down to an art, but it doesn't make her happy. It doesn't, she doesn't feel like she has a purpose. So she decides that she needs to come up with a purpose for herself. She needs to find something to give her life meaning. So she divorces her husband and moves downtown to Baltimore, like in Baltimore. 
And she starts looking into a case of a missing African-American woman. And the white people in Baltimore like don't really care about this. It's not of much import to them. And this really bothers her because she feels like, you know, why does no one care that this person is missing? But what she doesn't realize as she's going through this is that she's not trying to solve this because she really cares about what happened to this woman. I mean, she kind of does, but more so she's doing it for herself. She's doing it to make herself feel important. And so that is obviously a huge problem. So as she continues to delve into the disappearance of this woman, she starts to learn things that never really like affected her before. She starts to understand that not everyone lives the sheltered kind of pampered life that she lives. And at first, you know, you're reading this and you're like, well, obviously, like, you know, not everybody lives like that. We, we all know that. But when you look at the way she was raised and the way the people kind of in her sphere think about things, you tend to understand a little bit better that, like, she doesn't think this way just because she's selfish and shallow. Um, she kind of thinks along these lines because she doesn't really know anybody who thinks differently. And so she hasn't been exposed to the different like ways that you can think about people and the ways that you can view the world. Um, there are a ton of twists in this book that I did not see coming. Um, and I, I really loved it for that. I loved watching our heroine grow and change. Um, I loved the ways in which people were not afraid to let her know that she was acting in ways that were definitely not appropriate. Um, it's just, it's a very, a very aware kind of book. Um, and it made me think kind of just about the way that I, as a white woman, not as privileged as our heroine, but still, you know, as, as a white woman, just how I, how I view the world around me. And it was just a very insightful, twisty, and yet very fun read. So that is The Lady in the Lake, and it is by Laura Lipman. And I wish that I could describe it in a way that was more like articulate and cool but I can't <laughs> I've actually read synopses of this book and it's definitely on my to read list um I've never read anything by her before but it's always her stuff has always looked really good yes when she's good she's like so so great I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of her stuff and all of her stuff is in Baltimore right well I, I think, I think most so yeah, yeah. She has like a series that takes place in Baltimore, yeah. kind of like a private detective series, and she has a bunch of standalones. Mm -hmm. um, and if they're not all in Baltimore, they're all at least like in Maryland. Yeah. Um, and I think like that's where she herself is. So that would make sense. It would. Write what you know. Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, confession time. All of my books are the first in series. Ah. Um, yes, and so <laughs> my first uh, book is called The Secret World of Cristobal Alvarez, and it is the first book in the Chronicles of Cristobal Alvarez series by Anne Swinfin. Um, and so Cristobal Alvarez is a refugee from Portugal, 
and he and his father moved to England in the 15, uh, 1580s when all of the Jews were kicked out of Portugal. Um, and Cristobal and his family were involved in the um, persecution of the Jews um, in the 1500s in Portugal in the Inquisition, and his mother and his uh, sister were tortured. Um, and Chris and his mother died, and Cristobal and his brother, or I'm sorry, and his father went to England. And Cristobal's father is a physician, and Cristobal has studied under his father, um, and he is a physician too. He works at St. Bart's in London. But during the course of this book, we find out that he is also a good code breaker. Oh. Um, and so he is sort of forced into working for the palace. Um, and the reason for that, I think I can safely divulge this secret, is Cristobal is actually a woman. Oh. Um, her name is Catherine. And when she moved to England, um, she disguised herself as a boy when she left Portugal um, and they were rescued by an English merchant and the English merchant and everyone has known Cristobal as a boy. So he has remained living as a boy, even though he is a girl. So obviously this is causing a lot of chaos and confusion. Someone finds out about it and uses that as leverage to get Cristobal to work for the queen, um, trying to basically root out traitors in, you know, the country that are trying to kill Queen Elizabeth I. So this book is basically about Catherine slash Cristobal and how Catherine lives as a man in London in the 1500s. Um, as the series goes on, you kind of, um, the characters grow and change and uh, Cristobal falls in with a uh, group of actors, which includes Will Shakespeare. Um, so it's kind of, it, it's very well done. Um, it's very uh, interesting. Um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, all of the books are on there for free. There are like nine of them in the series. Um, and it's just really spectacular. It's great character building. The mysteries are really good. Um, you really get a lot of insight into the 1500s of London, both the good and the bad. Uh, Cristobal does quite a bit of traveling. Um, he kind of brings a different flavor of, you know, um, you know, because he's a refugee, so he has a lot more worldly experience than, you know, the ordinary people of London. So uh, it's, it's a really great start to the series. And again, that's The Secret World of Cristobal Alvarez uh, by Anne Swinfin. And again, all available on Kindle Unlimited. Really good. So that's the, are that the only place that they're available? Um, I don't know for sure. I know that they're on Audible. Um, okay. If you have Kindle Unlimited, um, the Audible narration, I think, is free. Um, oh. all, of, all of her books. There's another series that she does, too. Um, it's the Oxford Merchant series. Um, and that's also available on Kindle Unlimited. Um, she just does a really good job with, like, place and time. Um, and I mean, you know, just, just really interesting stuff. So the first book I'm going to talk about tonight is The Gods of Gotham, Timothy Wilde, book one by Lindsay Fay. And this book is about 
a character named Timothy Wilde. When we start out, Timothy is working as a bartender and there ends up being a fire at the bar and it um, destroys the bar, leaving him not only penniless and jobless, but also homeless. So he ends up needing a job. Well, his brother Val, um, Val is a politically connected um, firefighter and he helps him get a job. This is this book takes place in 1845, New York City. So at this point in time, they're starting a police department and Val gets Timothy a job with the police department, or at least um, the ability to apply for a job. So Timothy goes through the, uh, through the application process, which is pretty simple. All you really need to be able to do is you need to be a Democrat and need to be able to walk. That's really all that they are looking for. Um, one of the main things that they learn in their training is that they're supposed to drag the criminals in and they're supposed to ignore the prostitutes. Um, while this is happening, a lot of Irish immigrants are coming to coming to America because this is also the time when the potato famine has occurred. So Timothy is assigned to a ward where there's a lot of poverty. Um, he's, look, he's kind of right smack near the, the slums of the area. And while he's doing his touring, he ends up like literally running into a 10-year-old prostitute which I cannot actually remember her name, but he ends up not thinking that she'll feel very safe going to, um, going to this shelter or the women's shelter at the time. So she, he decides to take her home with him. And while, t while they're getting to know each other, she, she lets him know that there's these graves that are located in a, in a ward and they're all a bunch of children that have been killed and that there's like these crosses that are that, like cut into their skin. So with this information, Timothy goes to his colleagues and they learn that there's a whole bunch of graves of these children. And so they together, they need to, they need to solve this case. So the book is really good. I find I find Lindsay Fay very good about talking, like writing the language in the language of the time that she's writing in. So there's a lot of the slang that was used then. There's a lot of the kind of talking about what it really was like then. So I think she did a lot of research into the history of the time. So I really, really enjoy, I really enjoy her writing actually. Um, so this is The Gods of Gotham, Timothy Wilde, number one, by Lindsay Fay. When I saw that you were talking about this book, I was super excited. I did like a little cheer dance. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I had totally forgotten about this series. And I have, um, I think I've read two of them. Um, and I, I really like... Three total. Yeah, and I really like Lindsay Fay um, in general. She also wrote Jane Steele, which is kind of interesting. And oh, yeah, she has, I like that. Yeah, and she's done some interesting things with Sherlock Holmes. 
All right. So my next pick takes us to Victorian era London. And this is actually a series that I think I first heard about from you, Amber, a couple of years ago. Um, this is Stalking Jack the Ripper yes. by Carrie Metastelko. Um, I was a little skeptical, speaking of things that make people skeptical, because it's part of an imprint that apparently James Patterson has started. And I don't know, James Patterson just seems to be like involved in the way a lot of things. And I wondered like, you know, was it going to be good or was it going to be kind of cheesy? Um, but I ended up really loving this. It's the first book in the Stalking Jack the Ripper series. And our heroine is a young woman named Audrey Rose. And Audrey Rose is the daughter of a nobleman. But she doesn't like to spend her time the way a lot of gently born women are supposed to. So parties and teas and shopping, like those are just not really things that interest her. Instead, she is an apprentice to her uncle and she is studying like forensic medicine. So basically like autopsies. Um, she's learning how to do autopsies and how to understand the various things that cause people to die. Her father does not love this. Um, her father has a lot of emotional issues, shall we say. And he is still deeply grieving the loss of his wife several years before. Um, so he tries to keep Audrey Rose pretty safe. Um, he would like it a lot if she would just like not leave the house, but obviously she's not going to do that. So she sneaks out periodically to her uncle's laboratory and with him, she becomes involved in a series of murder cases. Um, women are being killed by hmm, Jack the Ripper, perhaps. And she and her uncle are trying to figure out like, who it is that is killing all of these women in London. Um, I am not normally like a big Jack the Ripper fan. There's a lot of literature now where people are writing, um, you know, kind of like possible theories to who Jack the Ripper really was. And people are talking a lot about the women that he killed. And it's fascinating kind of, but it's not usually something that I want to see in fiction. And yet, this one was just so engrossing and I loved the theory that she kind of put forward here. Um, it's very descriptive in a way that that's graphic. So if you don't want to read about the way bodies look and smell and feel as they decay, um, you might not want to read this. But I loved it a lot. Uh, she, our heroine has this really great kind of blossoming relationship with another um, of her uncle's apprentices whose name is Thomas Cresswell. And they have such fantastic banter back and forth. I just, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I loved her writing. And I am pretty eager to see how the series evolves. In fact, I think the last one comes out in September. Sometime this fall. If it's not September, it's October. Um, so anyway, this is Stalking Jack the Ripper, and it's the first book in a series with the same title, and the author is Carrie Maniscalco. Okay, so my second book is also in Victorian London, and it is called The Face of a Stranger, William Monk, number one, and it's by Anne Perry. 
Um, Anne Perry has done quite a bit of uh, fiction writing. And if you want a trippy book, read her nonfiction, uh, read a nonfiction book about her. I can't remember what it's called. Oh my gosh. Do you know what yes, I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Yes. It's, she has quite an interesting life. Um, anyway, so this premise for this book series, and all of her series are very long. She does the William Monk series, and then she does the Thomas and Charlotte Pitt series. Um, but the William Monk series um, is about William Monk, who um, he, was in, he was in an accident on one of his cases. He's a, a private detective, and he lost his memory. So at the, at the beginning of the book, it's Victorian London, and he wakes up, and he has no idea who he is, where he is, what he did, anything like that. Um, and, you know, it evolves that he was actually a very high-ranking detective uh, at Scotland Yard in London in, you know, the 18, uh, I would say late 1800s. Um, and he has made quite a few enemies on the police force and he doesn't know why so eventually he goes back to work and he doesn't remember anything about anything he doesn't remember his cases that he was working on he doesn't remember anything about who he is um anything like that and he has met he has made an enemy named runk horn which is totally like the most british name ever and uh, Runkhorn does not like him at all. And he gives him the case of a Crimean War veteran who is very well respected and he dies. And Monk has to figure out who did it and why. Without knowing anything about himself, without knowing anything about, you know, the, the police force or any of his former connections that he made. So he did a lot of stuff in like you know, the stews of London and, you know, had a lot of informants and stuff like that. Well, now he doesn't remember who any of them are. Um, and he wants to do this without anyone knowing he's lost his memory. Um, so it's a really interesting premise for the series because, <clears throat> you know, as the book and the series go on, he starts to remember a few things, but not enough to know, like, what's going on. And he kind of has to solve this mystery cold. Um, without any memory of how he does his job or anything like that. And th the name of the book is The Face of a Stranger, William Monk, number one, by Anne Perry. And it is, uh, it is a fantastic start to a series. So the second book I'm going to talk about tonight is The Poison Thread by Laura Purcell. And this book is in Victorian London, similar to what, like, the time that Shannon and Amber have already started talking about. So in this, I know that's why I decided to do this one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so this book has two main characters, Ruth and Dorothea. And Ruth and Dorothea are kind of, they're kind of imprisoned. So Ruth is literally in prison. So she is in prison where, for murdering her mistress. Meanwhile, Dorothea is imprisoned in her social status um, and expectations of, that are put upon her because of her social status. So this book follows the two women, 
Um, Ruth is a 16-year-old, and as I said, she's in prison for murdering her mistress. She's a seamstress, and Ruth claims that she has the ability, well, not really the ability, but that she has been responsible for the murder of several people through the things that she sews. So for her, she feels that she's not innocent. And this really intrigues Dorothea, who is interested in the study of um, phonology. Phonolo I think it's phonology. <laughs> um, and so this is kind of the study of people's craniums and being able to tell if they're how, like, if they're good or bad. So oh, like the really bumps on the skull. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, so Dorothea is really interested because Ruth claims that she's not innocent. So Dorothea is really, she, because Ruth is so young, Dorothea is wondering if the bumps on her cranium will change, if they're able to reteach Ruth to be a better person. So while Ruth, um, sorry, while Dorothea is taking Ruth's measurements and getting to know Ruth, she learns about Ruth's story. And we learn about the abuse that she's undergone and her family story, how she was taken away from her mother and just all the deaths that she feels or have been can be attributed to herself. While this is going on, we also learn a bit more about Dorothea and her time when she's not doing her volunteer work at the prison. And it's just kind of an interesting view into the Victorian era and how these two women are kind of facing completely different situations. So it's called The Poison Thread. And it's by Laura Purcell. That sounds like my sort of book right there. It looks so good. I saw yeah. some reviews of it last year. Um, it was published in the UK as The Corset. Yeah, um, I saw that. And I read a bunch of stuff about it on Goodreads, and it looked like super good. <laughs> so my next pick is the first in a series as well. And this one is... What Angels Fear, and it's the first book in the Sebastian St. Cyr series by C.S. Harris. And I'd heard a ton of great things about this from um, one of the women that I review with over at All About Romance. Um, and she reads almost like exclusively historical romance, historical fiction, historical mystery. So if I'm ever curious about historical things, um, I figure, you know, she's a good person to, to ask about it. So she told me that she really loves this series, and I decided to try it out for this episode. So this takes place in 1811 in London, and our main character is, of course, Sebastian St. Cyr, and he is actually like Viscount Devlin. He was severely traumatized by his time in the Napoleonic War. And so he's suffering a lot of like what we would know today is PTSD, but it obviously wasn't called that in 1811. 
And his father is kind of dismissive of all the trouble that he's having, and society in general just, like, doesn't have a lot to do with him now. So he's just kind of living an aimless life. And then some dead prostitutes begin showing up around London. And somehow, some kind of unfortunate individuals get the idea that Sebastian is the one who killed them. Now, he knows that this isn't true, and we as the reader are pretty sure that it isn't true, but there are some things that make you kind of wonder, like, ooh, like, could it be? Like, did he actually do this? Um, But you're pretty sure as you're reading that he did not. Um, But these people really have it in for him, and so they want to, um, they want to have him hang for these murders. He obviously does not want this to happen, and so he sets out to clear his name. And he has this fantastic band of, like, allies that help him out. Um, There is an actress named Kat who used to be in love with Sebastian and I think perhaps might still be. Um, It's kind of hard to tell. Um, There is this young kind of street urchin boy that helps him out quite a bit. Um, So there's a really great sense of, I don't know if it's quite, like, found family quite yet, but a lovely sense of of camaraderie that I really enjoyed um, in the story. And I'm eager to see as the series goes on, like how these people change, how their relationships evolve. Um, The mystery itself, there were a couple of things that I figured out kind of early on, but there were also things that kept me guessing. So I would definitely recommend this if you like you know, complex mysteries that don't really rely on, like, high action scenes. Things are are kind of slower and quieter. Um, It was just a really, really lovely read. Um, And it's What Angels Fear, Sebastian St. Cyr, book one, by C.S. Harris. And I think the 15th book is coming out later this year, and then I think that will be the last one. Okay, um, my next book is The Beekeeper's Apprentice, Mary Russell and Sherlock Holmes, number one, by Lori R. King. Um, so this is an interesting, so it helps to have read Sherlock Holmes before you've read these books, but you don't have to. Um, so the premise of this book is Mary Russell is an American, and when the book starts out, Um, she's probably 14 or 15 years old and her in um, the course of the events before this book, her, her father, her mother, and her brother who all live in America were involved in a terrible car accident and the rest of her family died. In a car Um, accident? Correct. In a car accident. Um, It takes place in like 1904, 1905, somewhere. Ah, Okay. Yes. Okay. I was thinking it was like earlier. Sure. Like, no, no. It's a little, it, it's a little confusing. So kind of follow me. So um, she moves to England uh, because that's where her mother was originally from. And that's where her family, her mom's family is from. And she stays with her aunt whom she does not like. And her aunt does not like her. Mary Russell is very smart. Um, she's very scientific 
And one day while walking on the moors, she literally falls over Sherlock Holmes, who is, I believe, like in this book, 55, 56, somewhere in there, if not a little older. Um, so she, by a really random series of events, Sherlock Holmes actually ends up taking her under his wing and ends up basically teaching her how to be a detective like himself. Um, and the first book is kind of her growing up. Um, you know, it goes through um, her wartime experience in, in France. Uh, she, she does uh, become a nurse in the war. Um, it's, and, and her and Sherlock Holmes, um, they uh, solve several mysteries in this book. Um, but it's an interesting premise for a book because, and I, I don't think that I give a whole lot away when I say in like the third book, Sherlock and Mary get married. Um, and the squig factor could be really high in this because he's way older than she is, but Laurie R. King makes it work. Um, and by like the fourth or fifth book, you actually can't imagine them not being married. Um, so it's a really interesting premise. It's not overly done, you know, the relationship aspect, um, because then I think it would get a little creepy, but it's, she, she handles it really well. Um, the characters of Mary and Sherlock Holmes are really well done. Um, you know, the side characters are very well done as well. Um, and, you know, it's an interesting series because throughout each book, you travel to somewhere different. So like they go to uh, India, they go to America, they go to Japan, um, and they, they go around throughout the series uh, on, you know, figuring out mysteries. And one of them in one of the later books is actually what happened to Mary's family for real. Oh. Um, it, is, it is a car accident, but there's a lot of stuff leading up to it that Mary pretty much blocked out. Um, so as the series goes on, the characters grow and change. It's really, really well done. Um, even if you're not a Sherlock Holmes fan, you might want to check it out because you don't really have to know a lot of Sherlock Holmes backstory, which is kind of nice. And again, that book is called The Beekeeper's Apprentice. That's uh, Mary Russell and Sherlock Holmes number one by Lori R. King. Have you read any of the like Lady Sherlock books, like um, Jerry Thomas? Yes, I've read the those. They're okay. Um, I'm not a huge fan of those. And then there's the Daughter of Sherlock Holmes, and I hate those. So the third book I'm going to talk about tonight is The Lake House by Kate Morton. Oh yes. And this Hooray. book. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. Kate Morton is amazing. This book takes part, um, sorry, this book takes place in 1933 and in 2003. So in 1933, we first meet Alice, and she's about, I think, 16 years old. And her family is very well off, and they have a summer home that is called Loan. And this home is kind of where they host a lot of parties and they like to kind of show off their wealth. So one day, 
Alice's family is getting ready for a party. And during this party, their young son goes missing. Now we fast forward 70 years to 2003. So in 2003, we meet Sadie. And Sadie is a detective with a London, with the London Police Department or whatever it's called there. And she has been asked, she's had a very um, rough case. So she's been asked to take some time off. So kind of a forced leave. She decides to go home to uh, Cornwall and spend some time with her grandfather. Her grandfather's actually, her grandfather and grandma kind of raised her. So she is really glad to go spend some time with him. One day while going for a run with his dogs, she comes upon this old estate, which happens to be Loanne. And it's kind of run down, but it also, it's got, it's almost like one day the family was there and the next day it's gone because they're all the like furniture is there. There's like a book on the table and this really gets Sadie interested. And so she, being a detective, starts wondering like what happened. So what really gets her going even more is she, as she's asking her grandfather about it, she learns that this father, sorry, that this young boy went missing during this party 70 years prior. So she starts investigating and she learns about Alice, who is now, um, I think she's about 86 or so. And she's an author. Um, back when she was 16, she was kind of a budding author and she was writing a book. You kind of get to hear about that when back in 1933. Well, now she's a really well-known detective crime novel writing author. And she gets a letter from Sadie asking to talk to her about her case. But she's got a lot of secrets that are related to this, um, to the disappearance of her brother. And she doesn't want to come, to come out because she's worried that people could see back like think that she's to blame with the disappearance of her brother so she ignores Sadie's requests for interviews and all that and stuff like that well the book kind of goes on and I guess I can't really give up give it too much more um this book is called The Lake House and it's by Kate Morton I love Kate Morton. All right. Last round. Yes. Excuse me as I swallow. So my last pick tonight is City of Lies by Victoria Thompson. And this is the first book in her Counterfeit Lady series. She also has a series called Gaslight Mysteries. Um, and I think the woman, like the main character in there is a midwife, but I haven't, I haven't read those yet. Yes, she is. Just a midwife? Yes, I have, read, okay. I have read a couple of those. They're pretty good. It's always like murder on yes. like some famous uh, street. In New York, yep. Yes. 
So Counterfeit Lady is a separate series. It takes place right kind of at the end of World War I. So women's suffrage is still like a really big deal um, in New York at this time. And our heroine is a woman named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth grew up the daughter of like a, a con man, basically. And so her formative years were spent like learning how to con people and how to pull things over on people. So she is not sort of your typical like high society lady. Um, her manners, everything that she's learned has been learned kind of in pursuit of a con. So when we first meet her in City of Lies, she is fleeing a con gone wrong. And she kind of falls in with this group of women suffragists. And she's hiding from these people who are after her, kind of in their midst. And she ends up going to jail with them and just pretending to be kind of in their group so that she can get away from the people who are chasing her. She becomes friends with an older woman in this group, and it, she kind of begins to pull a con on her, sort of. She makes up an identity for herself and explains, you know, that she's this, like, well-born woman who has a really kind of dysfunctional family. She doesn't want her family to know that she's, you know, been taken to jail. Like, that would just not go over very well. And this woman, you know, buys into this and she takes Elizabeth home with her to New York City where she lives and she has this really kind of fancy house. Her son is an attorney. And Elizabeth sets about trying to make a new life for herself with this new identity that she has forged. Um, there are some mysteries that she gets involved in because Elizabeth is always kind of out for the underdog. She does not like when people in power use that power incorrectly and use it to kind of oppress other people. So she's always looking for ways to um, kind of help those who are less fortunate. In a way, she kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, like Robin Hood sort of. Um, she does bad things, but for kind of like altruistic reasons sometimes. So City of Lies kind of sets this up and then the series continues and we watch as Elizabeth gets involved in all manner of like difficult situations because of her sort of need to help other people. Um, there is a really great kind of side romance that goes on between Elizabeth and Gideon, who is um, the lawyer that she gets to know in New York City. Um, it's just really, really great. I love the sense of time and place. Like we really get a feel for what life might have been like in New York City back like, you know, 1918, 1919. Um, it's just really, really fun. It doesn't take itself very seriously. You know, it's not one of these books where you're reading it and you're like, oh, I'm supposed to come away with, you know, from this with some like deep philosophical lesson. Um, it doesn't feel like that. It's just, just kind of a fun, like rollicking um, mystery, a little bit on the lighter side compared to some of the things that I, I read. Um, but I really loved it. I read the first two and the third one, which is called City of Scoundrels, will be out later this year. So that again is City of Lies, Counterfeit Lady, book one by Victoria Thompson.
So my last book for the evening is, um, it's called Macy Dobbs, Macy oh. Dobbs, number one by Jacqueline Winspear. And this is a really, um, so this series stretches from, it's, it goes through like the 1920s and 1930s up to World War II. Um, so Macy Dobbs is, when, when the series starts out, she's a private investigator in London in the 1920s. Um, her start in life was, is kind of interesting. She worked as a maid in the house of Lord and Lady Compton. Um, and one night she was about 14 years old and she really liked to read. And one night she snuck down to the library in this large house where she was a maid and she was reading a book. And it was a very technical book. And one of the Comptons caught her reading and they said, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, this, it eventually all comes out that she is super bright and she wants to be a, uh, she, she, they know that she's destined for bigger things. So uh, she works her way and she goes to Cambridge. Um, and then the war kind of, you know, World War I in England kind of interrupts everything. Um, and she goes to France as a, as a nurse and then comes back and finishes her degree at Cambridge. And um, she, you know, uh, Lord and Lady Compton really help her out. They help her set up, you know, a small office in London. And she gets, uh, you know, clients. Um, and, you know, one of the clients in her first book is someone who wants her to, um, you know, go ahead and, and uh, investigate an infidelity. But as you go throughout the book, it is so much more than that. Um, Jacqueline Winspear does a really good job of bringing like the war into, you know, like how did the war affect people? Um, Macy had a fiance during the war who basically when he came home, he was shell shocked and he doesn't know who he is or where he is. And, you know, he's just in a hospital, just kind of slowly dying um, and, you know, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't paint war as glamorous. She doesn't paint the, you know, after effects of war as, as glamorous. They're very real. Um, you know, how the war kind of impacts everyone, you know, Macy and everyone around her as she does these investigations. As the series goes on and you head towards World War II, um, it's even more fascinating because you see how they're kind of preparing for World War II in a way, and how Macy kind of goes on with her life and in, in some ways how she doesn't. So um, <clears throat> it's a really interesting book uh, and series between the two wars and leading up to World War II. Um, and in one of the later books, she actually ends up going to Germany as a spy um, in World, he heading up to World War II, and I believe actually has an encounter with Hitler. Um, so, you know, as she goes on in the series, you know, obviously she's very successful at her job. Um, but it's not just Macy that you see. You also see her assistant, Billy. Um, he was also in World War I. Um, you see, you meet Billy's family. You meet, um, you know, and the tragedies that they kind of go through. Um, it's a really, 
it's a really amazing, interesting series. I think there are like 13 books in the series now. Um, and the first book is uh, Macy Dobbs, Macy Dobbs, number one by Jacqueline Winspear. The final book that I'm going to talk about tonight is A Madness So Discreet by Mindy McGuinness. I love and this book. This book I had to fight Shannon for, <laughs> yes. and I won. Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. It's, a, it's the only time when I, will, when I will fight somebody for something. <laughs> Um, so this book is about a woman named Grace May, and Grace has been sent to an insane asylum in Boston because of some family secrets and a baby that she's carrying. She is from a prominent family, and at this time, you really they kind of sent their women away and kind of hid them away when they were pregnant. Um, and there wasn't a father in the picture. So while at the insane asylum, Grace is not talking. So she's, everyone kind of tiptoes around her because they think she's got a lot of mental problems. Well, at, one point her kind of her frustrations kind of come to a head and she ends up speaking and attacking uh, one of the doctors this ends up leading to her being sent to the cellars which is where they send the patients that are kind of a little bit more trouble while in the cellars she meets a man and i can't remember his name at the moment but he is a pretty interesting man. He used to be a doctor and he thinks he knows kind of what's ailing people by how they smell or by how they sound. And one thing that we learn is that he used to take tumors out of people that had cancer and not only would he take the tumors out because he's a doctor, but he would also eat them. And I'm yes. not sure if he's eating them because he thinks he's able to see how bad they are or what. But... He wanted to inoculate himself. He thought that if he like, ate the cancer, it would work like a vaccine. And then he could get cancer. It was super weird. Yeah. It was, yeah, and very it was, gross. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah, it was really gross. Um, I forgot about that part. Thank you. So through this gentleman, she is introduced to a visiting doctor who comes to the insane asylum to perform lobotomies on some of the troubled patients. Um, the gentleman knows that Grace is very intelligent and has noticed that she has really good observation skills. And she feels, he feels that she could be a lot more help to this visiting doctor. And also um, that she really doesn't belong in the cellars or even in a, in a sane asylum to begin with. So she gets to know this visiting doctor and through a 
kind of a creative little ruse. He's able to smuggle her out of this asylum and takes her to one in, in Ohio where he's got more um, connections. And I think that's kind of where he, like in the, in the area into which he lives. So while he's there, she, he gets her to help her out with his um, kind of side job. He is interested in criminology and in forensic science. And this is a very early time of this. So it's really interesting to see how they investigate um, crimes. So he, when a, when a crime is committed, he'll ask one of the nurses to go get her and they bring, he, he brings her out to the crime scenes and through her observation skills and her listening skills, he is able to concentrate on kind of the things that really interest him about crime because he's not having to pay attention to the nitty gritty because that's kind of her job. Um, while working together, he gets her involved in this kind of series of murders of women. And this kind of gets her into the sights of the murderer which I'm not going to tell you how that happens. While this is all happening, he's also learning more about her and why, why exactly she was in the insane asylum. And he really wants to help her. So if you want to learn more about her situation and how he might be able to help her, then check out A Madness So Discreet by Mindy McGinnis. Yes. All right, so that does it for us this evening with Historical Ministries. Hopefully we have um, given you some recommendations that will enhance your fantastic TBR piles. And I want to thank Amber and Brooke for helping me put this episode together and sharing some of their favorite historical mysteries. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for the wonderful editing, editing that she does to each and every Book Bistro episode. And of course, thank you so much to all of you who have joined us on the kind of Book Bistro journey. We appreciate it a ton. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.